0: Who's at the top of the league? Where's Jamie been the last seven days? And how many takes did it take to get this intro in the can? All those questions, except for the last one, are going to be answered in the latest edition of THN on the Cube. Brought to you by BetMGM. He's Jamie Tozer. I'm Will McLaren. And, Jamie, let's start with the question that we're asking every week around here. Where have you been and where are you now?
1: Yeah, back in, uh, back in the beautiful city of Moncton. Um, never good when you leave Edmonton and come back to worse weather than you left so uh, Ah. uh, it's not a not a ideal October day here in Moncton this is we're recording this on Halloween very cold very snowy. Mm -hmm. although most of the snow is melted Um, but yeah I was in Edmonton for the uh, Heritage Classic kind of uh, uneventful honestly there's a Seventh or eighth outdoor game I've been to. I've been to quite a few. It's probably the, <laughs> least, yawning, really. yeah, probably yeah. the least memorable, honestly. like you're, There's no disasters. It was kind of a ho-hum game. Uh, it's just kind of everything went smooth. Nothing nothing crazy happened. So uh, uh, the weather wasn't too bad. So that was good. So it was a good time. Uh, night before, though, we saw a great Oil Kings game. Uh, the last place Oil Kings. Last place in WHL upsetting Portland. Um, mm-hmm. Saturday night one ranked team in the CHL last week uh, they've fallen all the way to number four uh, they got swept in all three of their uh, Alberta games this past weekend so a rough weekend for the we well, but a great game um, to see an upset like that and before that I was in uh, it was in Brantford um, checking out the new uh, yeah the new or the new slash old bulldogs rink that's uh, that's been re- beautifully beautifully renovated really really crowned building though definitely not going to be a long-term home for the OHL in that facility. You're definitely going to need a, a new building or a new home somewhere else for this team long-term, uh, but full props for the, the, the creativity. Uh, they did to create space out of nothing essentially in this building. They basically took the four corners and added staircases and uh, added a concession stand at the top of the staircase, added washrooms at the bottom, really interesting approach. Uh, to create space pretty much out of nowhere, but it, it's definitely crammed. Uh, but a great atmosphere. Bulldogs won in overtime. I believe mm-hmm. the first overtime victory for the Brantford edition of the Bulldogs. So very, very truly honored to be in such a historic uh, historic game like that. Uh, before that, I was in uh, Wenatchee, where we were talking last week. Um, pretty, pretty nice little town, honestly. Uh, you know, the airport, as we mentioned last week, is... Uh, Maybe a little bit too, mentioned maybe too much. Um, extremely small, but the town's towns kind of booming. Like the the downtown, like most of the storefronts are full. Uh, seems like a growing community. The rink neighborhood's kind of interesting. It's kind of like in a downtown location, but at the same time, it's like an industrial park. And there's train tracks nearby, but there's also apartment buildings. There's weirdly like a Lowe's next door, which is kind of strange, but... Uh, <laughs> so yeah you can do a lot you can do a lot around this neighborhood but nice little rink um super late arriving crowd this was a 6 p.m local start which is kind of odd mm-hmm. and it was a tuesday night super late arriving crowd there's maybe a few hundred people there at puck drop but it filled in uh, quite well for a tuesday night game so um this this certainly has some some promise for the whl i think this could be a, a pretty good market for them even though it's one of their smaller markets overall, I think it's still the town of over 100,000. So, uh, uh, curious to see how they, they make out over the next few years.
0: That's one of those situations, especially in the, the WHL, where, and to an extent, the Q, where there's just some of these, I almost want to say like legacy, uh, towns, um, that have smaller population bases, smaller ranks, but you can never picture them not being in the league. Uh-huh. Swift currents. Uh, yep. Now Prince Albert, places like that, and uh, you know even you know uh, Brandon to an extent, a little bit bigger obviously, but uh, and it's sort of like in in the queue with you know the Bakemos and the Valdors, yep. where you know if if we're talking expansion in twenty twenty three, these places aren't getting a team, but in nineteen ninety three, they were prime pickings and they they made their mark and now they're you know ingrained in the league and you know probably not that much of a long shot to imagine a place like Wenatchee, you know, sort of following that that same sort of, uh, uh, that same sort of uh, path. And uh, hopefully, hopefully it works out. Sounds like you saw your photos. Everything, uh, everything looked, um, everything looked uh, pretty decent. Very, very quaint, small townish, but pretty picturesque. I didn't see the lows, yep. so, you know, I'm sure. Uh, I that forgot that's to get a
1: important. photo. You can look I mean, it up on Google Maps, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely, no, I'll, I'll be on Google Maps as soon as we're done this podcast. Um, but yeah, so you've so you have gone not quite well, yes, you have gone from one end of the continent to the other. Um, you're back to 60 for 60 in the CHL ranks, yep. so uh, big congrats, uh, there. Um, and the fact that you went from Wenatchee, Washington to Brantford, Ontario to do that, um. Yeah, I don't know of anybody else who would uh, even think about doing that, let alone going out and doing it. But for you, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I appreciate that.
1: I don't recommend it either.
0: Oh, really? eh? (laughs) Shocking. Shocking, Travel snafus that would would come out of uh, an itinerary like Wenatchee to Brantford.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It's a complicated one, but it it worked out.
0: Good, good. Nice Uh, challenge. So where's the next trip before we actually get into the podcast?
1: <laughs> oh, I'm back on, I'm back on the college hockey bender for a bit. Uh, I'm going to be so staying somewhat local. Nothing, nothing too crazy for uh, the time being this one, this one took a lot out of me. This one,
0: uh, this I, really can imagine. This was, I don't know. This
1: is hard to believe, right? This was an exhausting trip. This was uh, a little bit more jam packed and crisscrossy, crisscrossy. That's a definitely a word. Um, than some of the previous trips. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, we'll keep her in straight lines for the next few weeks, at least.
0: Probably not a bad idea. <laughs> so that's where Jamie's been. Where's the league been the last seven days? Um, let's start out west, uh, Jamie. Um, it's been what kind of a kind of a. Uh, you know, it's probably one of the few parts of the country that you haven't encountered in the last two weeks. Uh, but over up in the province of Quebec. Um, the Western conference has eh, pretty much had a kind of a fight for first place all year long, you know, we're in Randa had a bit of a slow start. So it, it, it kept the door open to, you know, the Drummond and the Victoria and teams like that. And that's the team I want to mention right now, the Victoriaville dig, who um, have managed to claw their way to a tie for first place in the Western conference. Um, Not a big surprise given the team that they had coming back this year, but certainly looks like it might set up a a, a real slugfest with the Huskies, especially as the season rolls on.
1: Yeah. And both teams kind of getting off to a bit of a slow start. I think, you know, Rue and Randa especially, but I think even Victoriaville maybe not necessarily a a slow start, but maybe a little bit of an underwhelming start. Um, Mm -hmm. Just kind of just, you know, kind of whatever. Um, but they've really picked it up lately and they've, they've strung together some big wins, uh, especially lately back-to-back wins over Schwinnigan. Schwinnigan's a, a pretty good team that we've seen so far. Uh, so it's been a, been a great run for them um, getting offense from their big players too. Justin LaRose and Tommy Cormier tie for 20, 21 points each uh, that puts them in their tie for fourth in league scoring. Um, and yeah, like this, this is going to be an interesting little race in the West I think most of us probably had Rouen, maybe a, a step above most teams. But if uh, Victoriaville and Drummondville can stay within striking distance, this could be a fun little race uh, down. The There's a separation too in the Western Conference, where you got Victoriaville, Rouen, Drummondville, and then kind of the surprise teams in the middle: uh, Blainville, Sherbrooke, and Schwetzingen. I'm not sure how much how long those three teams will kind of stay near that top tier of uh, Victor, Ruan, Drummondville, but we'll see. And then uh, Val d'Or has fallen way off. You know, we've talked a lot about Val the, since the, the season started, but lost seven straight. Um, and that includes home losses to St. John and Gatineau. So it's been a really uh, rough stretch. They've kind of fallen, fallen back down to earth to where we kind of thought they would be. And then, of course, Gatineau in the bottom where they're probably going to stay for this year. So we're starting to, starting to kind of see the, the separation of, of groupings in the Western Conference. We'll see kind of... Uh, who stays in in those groupings and who moves away from them?
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, in particular, you mentioned Sherbrooke, um, and I think you alluded to it very early on this season, Jamie. It almost felt like you know maybe they would go as far as say Samuel Saint-Hilaire would take them, and so far he's taken them to a very respectable mid-pack uh, standing in the conference, where a lot of people had them. You know, battling it out in the basement, uh, perhaps with Gatineau and maybe Valdor. Um, of course, named the uh, honorable mention for goaltender of the month earlier today. Uh, Mathis Russo uh, claiming uh, the top honor in that regards uh, for the Halifax Movesets. So it's and, and and that's kind of I think what's what allowed for a little bit of excitement here the first few weeks that we weren't really banking on. It was everything was geared towards you know ran around, it, ran around, it, ran around, it, especially after. The draft, And I think some of us may have forgotten that, you know, that's a pretty decent team in Victoriaville. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a team in Drummondville that is, is kind of primed to surprise. And yeah. w- under the, under the coaching now of Sylvain Favreau, you know, that could be a tonic for them. And, you know, to a degree, it has been, um, you know, you talk about players of the month, Maverick Lamarou picking up defensemen of the, of the month for them Um but what it's what it's all added up to is, you know, probably uh, a tighter race, like I said, both in the in the uh, top and the middle of the standings, than than a lot of us would have expected. And uh, generally, we're not talking about exciting races in you know October going into November. But this is really starting to shape up, partly because of those poor starts by the Teague and the Huskies, as you mentioned, Jamie, to be a pretty decent one. And over in the East, we're kind of seeing carbon copy.
1: Yeah. And, uh, we saw recently Moncton kind of overtake Halifax a little bit, um, in the standings, but we're still seeing Bay Camo kind of run away with, not necessarily run away with it, but kind of sticking near the top. Um, it's been a great little stretch run for them, uh, beat Victoriaville in overtime this week and then beat Ramuski in back-to-back games. So those are, our strong wins for, for them. They won five games in a row. Um, but it's, it's what we've talked about all year. It's their offense, right? They're just so deep offensively. Um, and I, I've been following their line charts. And Justin Gill, who leads the league in scoring with 25 points, he's actually listed on what's their quote-unquote third line uh, with the with the Boliard brothers, if you can believe that. So that just kind of shows how deep this lineup is when you've got such a strong team offensively. You've got such a strong line like that listed as your third line that just you know shows how, how good this team can is uh and can score kind of at will seven players with 13 or more points already this year um so we've talked a lot about their offense but I you know their defense is maybe i don't know if it's underrated or undervalued or if their offense is just so good they're kind of dominating puck control i was looking at some numbers today and they're actually average they're actually averaging shots against per game, and that's the fewest in the entire league right now. Um, Their goals against average is still mid-pack, but they're allowing the fewest shots against per game, uh, which is a really good sign. So hard to say if it's kind of their defensive play or if it's more just their dominating puck possession in the offensive zone. But either way, it's, it's it's producing wins for them. Uh, so interesting to see uh, how they kind of continue to move forward because eventually, eventually, you know, if they're if they're not playing well defensively, that's going to catch up to them, and the, the puck possession can kind of only carry you so far. But we'll we'll kind of see how how that goes.
0: Yeah, it kind of reminds me um, on a slightly lower level, uh, Jamie, to what the Halifax Mooseheads were last year, yeah. where everybody talked about that offense with the three fifty goal scores and just. Up and down, three lines that can just beat you any given shift, but not a lot of talk about defense. Now, the difference here being is that Moosehead's defense was probably a little bit better than a lot of people gave credit for, with the Jake Furlongs, with the um, um, with with Schultz, with even Cam Why not in uh, uh, when he was not injured, um, you know, guys like that. And, uh, of course, Dylan McKinnon coming up through the ranks. This Bakemo defense isn't quite to that level, I don't think. Nick Spinenko has had a tremendous start to the year, um, tied for the league def- lead in defensive scoring. Uh, yeah, they, they still have other v- veterans, uh, of you know, not necessarily household names, uh, guys like Zachary Lessard and uh, Anthony Lavois who, are, who are, are eating up really big minutes. Emile Chouinard as well. And solid goaltending, goaltending good enough to win, which is all you need from Olivier Ciarlo. Um, but the greatest defense that you can have is to keep the puck off your opponent's stick. And that's what Bakemo consistently does. Um, I've, you know, had, I've watched a few of their games online. They haven't come down to the Maritimes yet. Well, they haven't come to Halifax yet. Um so I haven't seen them in person, but what I'm seeing online is a team that – the youth really stands out. Um, when they're on a heater and they can roll it over, shift after shift after shift, they look unstoppable. Get one by them, you're, you're, you might get two by them. You might even get three by them uh, because it doesn't take much. It's a little bit of fragility there. But as long as they're maintaining possession, holding possession – to the degree, the degree that they are, the defense will catch up. I think um, it, it, it's just it's a learning curve, and if you're gonna have a little bit more of a veteran presence, which the Drakkar do, it's best probably to have it on defense with guys who you know aren't gonna be uh, sacrificing position for points. That's what the Drakkar have. It's more of a making sure that those you know those really um, high octane young forwards. Stay in their posi- defensive positions and and uh, and uh, don't allow too many odd man rushes the other way as well. Um, but still, 12-2 and two. Uh, nobody can argue with the numbers so far. They're first overall in the league. They're on a five game winning streak. They're holding off the uh, uh, Mooseheads as well as the Moncton Wildcats, as you mentioned, for first place in the Eastern Conference. Uh, I, it looks like the East Division. I mean, you know, unless unless Ramuski can. Uh, find a way to uh, close the gap. Um, the East division is probably theirs for the taking at this point point. and credit to them. They're a team that everybody expected to be better, but nobody expected them to really jump off the charts the way they did. And it's great to see that's a fan base that deserves to see a winner. It's been a long time.
1: Oh yeah. Awesome. Awesome rink. If you can ever get, if you ever get up there, it's a, it's a, it's a trek, but it's an awesome experience. Great atmosphere kind of that stereotypical Quebec league type atmosphere. Um, and it's interesting too, looking at the top of the standings, you see some of the teams that are kind of went into the year angry. I look at Bay Camo. Bay Camo had that controversial game seven loss to Moncton, which I'm no doubt uh, still kind of upset about. And that core's back this year. Um, Drummondville, a team again that we talked a lot about last year that underachieved had a lot of injuries. They're near the top of the standings this year. And then Victoriaville, similar to Bay Camo had a bit of an underwhelming or not a, I guess underwhelming playoff run we didn't really expect a lot from Baykom last year but Victoriaville certainly had an underwhelming playoff run so a team that again kind of went into the year with something to prove so these teams that um had you know that chip on their shoulder heading into the year are, are really uh showing that they can they can rebound from that and and try and improve uh from last season.
0: Yeah it's not just cliche losing sometimes is yep. the the best teacher and hey we saw it with the Quebec Rampart um you know they they uh, there, there were a couple of goals. absolutely there were a couple of goals from the 2022 final they lost to Schweniggen came back the next year won the whole thing slightly different uh, situation but nonetheless that that loss to Schweniggen and you talk to the guys especially after the playoffs were over and or once they got into the final talking to some of their players it became obvious yeah you know you were downplaying it for a while but that loss stuck in your craw really badly. And I think we're seeing a little bit of that from some of these uh, some of these teams. And it's just making for some excellent hockey in the queue these first few weeks. Um, and it's leading to some rewarding hockey for some of the players because the initial NHL Players to Watch list has been released for 2023-2024. 36 QMJHL players named um, – But the one thing that stood out to me immediately, and I think it stood out to you pretty quickly as well, Jamie, amongst the A-level and the B-level prospects, there's only three players and only one A-level prospect in Maxi Messick.
1: Yeah, and I don't think there's really any way to sugarcoat it. It's just – it's not going to be a great year for the Q at the NHL draft. And it wasn't last year, and it's not going to be another great year for the Q, uh, unfortunately. Um no big surprises that I don't think anyway that Maxime Massé was the lone A prospect. He's having a, a great start with Shakudami at 19 points in 15 games. Certainly a huge piece for still a young Sags team moving forward, and they'll probably take a, a big step next year, you would think, in the coming years as well with the the, the big group that they have coming into the team this year. Um, you know, Only two B-level prospects, like you mentioned, Thomas Lavois and Raoul Bolliard. Um And I think one of the bigger surprises who has kind of left off that B list is Justin Poirier. Justin Poirier is a player who kind of going into the year, a lot of draft services had him as a borderline first round pick, certainly a second round pick, but to see him fall into that C category for, which is labeled as a fourth or fifth round projection Mm -hmm. um, is, is certainly surprising, especially given the start he's had 12 goals in 16 games. That's a decent start, almost almost a goal per game at this point. Um, So definitely surprising to see him, uh, see him fall down that much. But at the same time, I'm kind of interested to see him play uh, in the coming weeks because certainly um, players will say that they don't follow these rankings, but we all know they do. Um, Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that this is certainly going to motivate him heading into the coming weeks. Uh, He's already averaging a point per game, so I can only imagine uh, what he's going to do on this Electric Bay Camo team.
0: Yeah, and that's kind of the guy who I was alluding to. Um, was Justin Poirier? Um, the fact that yeah, he he's listed as a level prospect um, that took me by surprise. Yep. Uh, I must say. Um, but uh, aside from that, um, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I'm not. There's nothing there that really uh, strikes me as as uh, particularly unusual. Um, maybe Matej Milowski jumping up a little bit more he's mm-hmm. a level prospect I you know um, I, I think this bako team is gonna start to get more and more attention yeah if they can keep uh, that uh, that spot in the standings um, uh, where it's at right now if they can stay in that uh, you know the top two three overall in the league um, those guys might just jump kind of by default uh, I'll put it to you this way no disrespect to uh, Raúl uh, Bollard but uh, Amongst the players from Yakima that are selected, uh, he's not who I would have expected as a beloved prospect. But that's not to say that he hasn't earned it. He has looked fantastic wow. in really his first foray into the Q. Yeah. Um, but uh, just thought maybe he had a little bit more company um, there uh, alongside him. But uh, we will see. Of course, this is the initial list, and that list, this list always varies wildly. Uh, From time to time, there's three lists that come out. We'll see another one after New Year's and then a final one uh, in the spring, which will actually start to rank players uh, instead of by A, B, C, or W, which is more of a a watch and wait list. um, You'll start to see actual numbers attached to them. And that's, you know, that's when you're really honing in. So early on, you know, it's, could there be one or two more people, guys in that B ranking? I think it's a possibility. I think, I think even at this point, uh, you can make a case that there should be. Um, I don't think it's too much of a stretch to imagine that uh, there are going to be maybe another guy or two uh, join that, uh, that uh, level of the list by the time we hit the new year and beyond. So that's the NHL Prospects. Let's talk about the NHL team, our NHL team of the week this week, the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, there's nobody in the queue currently drafted by the Wings. I'll put a little asterisk there, Jamie, because uh, there is one player who was drafted, however, uh, went unsigned, and that's um, overage Moncton Wildcats defenseman Oscar Plandowski. Yeah. True. Um, so, uh, he, uh, he did go, I believe he went to New Jersey Devils camp, uh, this past, uh, fall, but, uh, former Red Wings draft pick, but, uh, that has since elapsed and, uh, even only one guy in the AHL and that's Jared McIsaac, a, a guy, Jamie, who I think during his junior days, especially leading up to his last year of junior, it almost felt more for Jared a ma- matter of when's he going to crack the NHL. And I think it's safe to say that it's kind of become a case of if he cracks it.
1: Well, we're what seven episodes into this season. We finally get to mention the twenty twenty Wildcats again. Like we have, this is almost disrespectful at this
0: point. I know. I feel feel, into the season. I feel (laughs) shame. Yes,
1: (laughs) but he had a great, great junior career with Halifax before joining that stacked Wildcats team. But yeah, like you said, he's put up really good numbers in the AHL uh, these past couple years. Twenty four points last year uh 70 games, so great numbers for a for defenseman in the A. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, I, it seems like it's only a matter of time before he gets called up. Hard to believe, actually, a little bit that he hasn't even gotten a, a taste for, yeah. for as an injury replacement or anything like that, but um, you know, the Red Wings have a bit of an interesting approach. To their prospects can take it really slow, uh, which I don't think is a bad thing. Um, but like you said, like I, I think it's only a matter of time before McIsaac um, at least gets a call up here for a brief stint in the NHL.
0: Yeah, no. I, I think Red Wings fans are appreciating the uh, Steve Eisman uh, patience model this year. It's, uh, you know, we, we always, I mean, Steve Eiserman will never get fired in Detroit. Um, but now, now, now here comes the uh, the, the proof in the pudding of uh, why he's never getting fired in Detroit. That's great. And you know what? It's good to have, when the Red Wings are a competitive team in the NHL, the NHL is a better. It's yep. just one of those, one of those truths, and uh, hopefully Jerry Maiaza can see sometime. A uh, little bit hampered by injuries over the years, and he was a late cut this year, so you have to think that that first appearance is coming sooner rather than later. Um, but uh, it's a very unique situation for him now because of the prospects that were drafted in and around him in the years just before the yeah. years just after. Who are now making the Red Wings? That's, That's that, wind, that window starts to close a little bit more. Yep. Does he find success in the NHL with another team? Who, who's to say? But you have to think it's coming sooner rather than later for Jared.
1: Yeah, definitely. And uh, if you haven't seen the the press release that the Grand Rapids Griffins released uh, last week, go check it out. By the way, uh, absolutely wild uh, press release. Essentially blaming their blaming their fans.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: uh, for uh, an overtime loss. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, quite a press release.
0: That is amazing. That, I can't think of many organizations. There's, uh, I, I'm not going to name names. There's a couple in the queue I could see maybe doing that. Um, but um, yeah, uh, blaming your fans. Like you know, I'm assuming ticket sales are strong in Grand Rapids. They yeah. can just they can just torch their fans in press releases. And blame them for losing valuable points in the standings, blah, 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 blah. Um, yeah, I haven't seen that one before. Um, I, I seen it last week. I've never seen a team actually do that. And quite frankly, the fan, uh, person like me, who, as you know, as our producer, Connor Somerville, knows, who's a big fan of crap disturbing and chaos in general, I would like to see more teams do this. Yes, just to be the old man yelling at clouds and and, and and just yeah, just raising issues about things that in the long in the grand scheme of things probably aren't quite so big. So you know what? You do you, Grand Rapids Griffins. Be the trend centers.
1: I have been to a game in Grand Rapids and I mentioned this on Twitter. No really? I, I know, shocking. Shocking. Uh I'm not even exaggerating. One of the wildest atmospheres. Like, I, it's just completely bizarre. Like, there's no, there's really no watching of the game. Uh, like, people are literally, like, turned around, like, in the stands. I like, guess no. it is a bizarre atmosphere. But uh, if, if I have any advice for Grand Rapids controller fans better, because uh, I don't, don't, don't think this is really all in the fans.
0: <laughs> so this is a new, new culture. fan are, culture. Yeah, fan culture. Exactly, yeah. So it's just, yeah, everything was great until it cost them a point. I get it. Yeah, I see I see how it rolls, Grand Rapids. But, no, you keep doing that um, because it gives us things to talk about. Um, let's move on to the NHL team here fairly quickly. Uh, three players uh, who are very well-known from their time in the queue, although uh, in one case the time was impactful but brief. Yeah. Daniel Sprong, Joe Valeno, David Perron. Um, two of the three are President the Cup champions, and all three of them uh, – had phenomenal careers in the queue.
1: Yeah. And Sprong's kind of the, the OG Islanders, uh Islanders star player when the, that team rebranded Uh had such a, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. I don't know. I don't think polarizing is the right word, but he always had kind of this, this, yeah. this energy around him where he had this belief that he was such a, a problem off the ice, but then on the ice, he was just producing points and points and points. And he was one of the most, uh, electric players of junior hockey for uh, certainly for a long time, um, and we're we're starting to see that at the NHL level now too. He's had such a an unreal season in Seattle last year, forty six points in sixty six games. We're seeing a continuation of that too um, this season with Detroit, seven points in ten games. So maybe a little bit of a a late bloomer at the NHL level. He's been around for a few years now, but he's really starting to, to find his groove uh, at this level. Uh, yeah, and Valeno, uh this is a big year for him. I think this is a year where he kind of has to prove what he is as an NHL player. Um, signed just a one year deal with the Red Wings, $825,000 had, had a really uh, battle with, with Steve Eisenman to get that deal done over the summer. And I think this is a, a season where he kind of has to show uh, what he is at this level. Um, and so far he's had a great start to the year, five goals and an assist in 10 games. I had just nine goals, 11 assists all of last year. So um, a great start for to the year for him and a, and a, and a big season for him. Uh, but yeah, Perron, obviously, uh, I think probably the the biggest Louis demaniacs player of all time. I would say, even though he's arguably, maybe
0: Jonathan Bernie, yeah, it's, it's got to be one of the two. Of course, yeah. former wing Jonathan Bernie as well.
1: Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. two thousand and seven um, President uh, Cup champion. But yeah, like you mentioned, Will, eighty three points in seventy games, twenty eight points in seventeen playoff games. Uh, one and done, but yeah. uh, certainly certainly made an impact uh, in Lewiston.
0: Yeah, exactly. And of course, Joe Valeno, first and to date only exceptional player. Uh, it's come to the queue, or the only uh, players playing the queue is to be granted exceptional player status, to say it in another manner of speaking, and a 2017 President Cup winner. And yeah, David Perron, who made the queue as a 17 year old rookie and then made the NHL as an 18 year old rookie. Uh, and was drafted in the first round, yes, but like late first round um, by St. Louis, it, that that is going to be one of the most unlikely uh, promotions or, or chain yeah. of events for any player anywhere, especially yeah. in junior hockey. And just even now it's been it's been 16 seasons since that happened. And I still think about that and like, did that really happen? Like, did he actually make the NHL after one year of junior as an 18 year old? And sure enough. And I mean, he's, he's got the success uh, to prove it as well. It was, it was great foresight by the blues and, uh, and uh, David Perron's been uh, uh, very, very rightfully uh, making a success, a successful living in the NHL ever since. So, and of course, David Perron, former Lewis Demaniac, and we got to take a moment here, uh, Jamie. Um, this happened the day after we recorded last week's episode. Now you're in the queue. If if even when you're no longer in the queue, if you're if your team is relocated, uh, you're still part of the family. You're always part of the family. There's always people that have a connection to a Q city, even when that city is no longer a Q city. So we got to have a shout out to Lewiston Maine. Of course, we all know the tragedy that happened there last, last week. Um, and, you know, it, it's it's funny because, you know, you and I, you know, we banter a lot both on here and, uh, and off, Mike, and, you know, throughout the week. And the Maniacs come up in conversation quite a bit. You were just in Lewiston yeah. not a month ago and to ha- to see this happen and to see a lot of the people that you know, you, know, you you associate with Lewiston as junior hockey town coming out just absolutely heartbroken by what took place down there it it gives you pause and you know it's it, it just adds another layer of uh, of tragedy to what's already happened
1: yeah, certainly tragic, and is is nice to see some of the Q teams uh, post messages uh, to, in support of Lewiston, and Mike mentioned, even though not part of the league anymore. it Still feels like they're kind of like uh, an honor, honorary member uh, at this point. Uh, uh, not that long ago that they were in the queue just a little over a decade ago. Um, yeah, I wasn't. I was in Lewiston just uh, just a couple weeks ago, just before uh, headed out west at uh, a May Nordiques game, and. Uh, I know the Maine Nordiques have posted that uh, their official score was, uh, was unfortunately shot in, in the shootings. And uh, he's still in critical condition at last check. So uh, hoping for the best for him and, uh, and, all the people of Lewiston, hopefully uh, uh, they can all uh, get past this uh, truly uh, tragic event.
0: Yeah, no, our thoughts are uh, certainly with the folks in Lewiston and anybody uh, hockey related, non-hockey related. That's uh, been, uh, it's been uh, touched by by that tragedy, and you know it was, it was a bad week, Jamie. Um, and uh, nobody needs us to tell them that. Of course, the news coming from England on uh, late Saturday, early Sunday, of uh, the on-ice uh, death of Adam Johnson. Now, of course, Adam Johnson was not a former Q player, but you know, this is a global game. And you don't have to go very far. And Jamie, you're living proof of this. You're in a different rink, it seems, every second day, and not always a Q rink. In fact, often not a Q rink. And the ties to the Quebec League that are in all of these rinks all around the world are very easy to know. Excuse me, very easy to notice. Um, and in the case of you know, the Adam Johnson tragedy. Um, his Nottingham Panthers team is just a laundry list of former QMJHL players, a couple of guys on Sheffield as well, uh, the team that they were playing. And, you know, obviously uh, just like the rest of the hockey world, our thoughts with the Johnson family, everybody affected. Um, and, you know, p- with particular attention uh, from our standpoint, from those guys that we watched in the queue, that just they had to watch the most horrific thing that you could ever see take place on a rink.
1: Yeah. I can't even imagine even not even the players, but the fans too, just uh, right. witnessing an event like that Like You can't even really do anything about other than hope for the best in that situation. Um, but like you mentioned, uh, certainly a lot of Q connections to the, those teams. Um, the EIHL has been a pretty popular destination for Q players in recent years. And, A lot lot of uh, AUS players from this area as well um, heading over there, um, including Matt Beckrave, who was uh, a a UMB star for a few years. Um, So, yeah, you certainly feel for all those players. And I know I saw uh, an interview with uh, uh, Pierre-Olivier Joseph, who I know is a a close friend of Adam Johnson as well. So even though he's not a Q player, there's certainly tons of of connections. Um, But I I can't even imagine what what all those players are, are going through. Um, and, and certainly has sparked uh, quite a conversation about neck guards. Yes. Um, and if you go to any Q game, I guarantee you at least once a game, um, you'll see a neck guard uh, on the ice. So they're certainly well uh, well worn in the Q for a number of years now, and uh, um, we'll see kind of where this goes and if uh, if the NHL kind of follows suit with uh, junior hockey and, and, and forces neck guards.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if it turns out to be much like First helmets and then visors. Um, it, it just becomes that trickle down effect where you know players are are mandated to wear them at a certain level, and then it just gradually becomes in, introduced at the NHL level, and then it sticks and is grandfathered in. And uh, yeah, I think we all uh, received a, a very um, awful lesson on the importance of of neck protection. Um, and yeah, I think you're just going to, I think it's just, it's going to scare players into doing it. And that's a terrible way to change how you, how you protect yourself, but sometimes whatever works. And, um, yeah, it's, I, it's, it seems like it's just going to be the next logical step. So you know, our yeah. thoughts again to you know, the Johnson family, his teammates, the opponents, you know, you met, mentioned Matt Peckgrave. I think he does deserve um, a heightened um, shout out, just because that is just the the absolute nightmare scenario for him uh, to be caught up in in such a bizarre and tragic accident. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, all the Q guys over there that uh, that that we've known so well over the years as well, and and the fans. Uh, it's going to be a long time before uh, that. Uh, even starts to fade from the memories of, of not just the people who were there, but you know, the hockey world in general. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's tragic, and uh, we uh, we send our best uh, along with uh, the rest of the hockey world. So that about does it for us. Um, we'll be back in about seven days' time, um, as usual. We'll be hanging around ranks Jamie. I don't know what country you're going to be in necessarily what level you'll be watching, uh, but um, right. we, we look forward to a full report here in about a week's time. Um, and as well, of course, um, we'll uh, bring you all the news that takes place from all the games taking place over the next seven days. For Jamie, I'm Will. Thanks for watching.